Welcome, everybody, to episode four of the Regression to the Mean podcast. I am your host, Sean Moran, and happy first Tuesday following NFL Sunday. This is a special day. We are either wallowing in pity from a terrible NFL Sunday where our team's lost and our fantasy team suck, or we are living the glory of 1-0. and And I thought, who else would be a better guest to go over week one NFL overreactions then Keegan Thompson, somebody who has never overreacted before in his life. What's up, Keegan? How we doing, man? Hey, Sean. How are you? Thank you so much for having me here. Yeah, I can confirm, never overreacted to anything once in my life. So I am more than ready for this today. Well, we are pumped to have you on. I know you and I have been texting nonstop about fantasy and the NFL season so far. And this is awesome. We're, we're, we're juiced to have you on the show today. Yeah, I think uh, this year of all years has probably been my most researched, most nerded out on, most excited for a year of fantasy football in general. Football, not so much. Fantasy, very (laughs) excited for this year. Life of a Jets fan, uh, I guess. But, um, you know, I had to watch Trey Lance play quarterback in a monsoon on Sunday, so I can't say too much. It must be nice to watch your young quarterback hit the field with your team, huh? Yeah. It, oh, man. <laughs> Football is pain. That's all we've known, man. That's all we've known. So for today's pod, I hit on it a little bit, but I have some week one overreactions, and Keegan's essentially going to give me his take. Am I overreacting? Am I underreacting? Is this trend going to follow throughout the season? And then we're going to go over some of our favorite waiver wire targets for the week. Now, I struggled with this idea for the show especially giving out some of my waiver wire ads because some of my friends listen to this and I'm legitimately telling them who I'm going to be trying to pick up this week. So this is kind of a bummer, but I guess this is the this is the downside of trying to do this. So I'm pumped regardless. I know you are too. And we have a little bit of differences here, a difference in opinion in, in our waiver wire ads. Just it looks like we've got some cool differences and maybe, you know, for the friends that do listen, maybe we're pointing in the right direction. Maybe we're not. That's up for the listener to decide. Or a lot of our friends are like, no, we beat those guys every week. Not going to listen to those idiots. Okay. So, Keegan, my first overreaction. The first round running backs are cooked. If I draft a first round running back ever again that is over the age of 26, I am an idiot. Why am I saying this to you? Because outside of Jonathan Taylor all the running backs that went in the first round, CMC, Eckler, King Henry, Najee, Dalvin. You want to know where they finished in week one? RB18, RB26, RB39, RB29, RB20. The highest point scorer was CMC at RB18. That's not great. Not great if that's your first round investment. I think what makes matters worse is that a lot of the guys that were going in the second round, you know, DeAndre Swift, Saquon Barkley, Javante Williams, Lenny Fournette, James Conner, Joe Mixon, Swift RB3, Saquon RB1, Javante RB12, Lenny RB17, James Conner RB16, Joe Mixon RB8. All pretty solid finishes that you're going to take nine times out of 10 from your second round running backs. So is this a trend? Are the first round running backs cooked? Are we going to start fading running backs at the beginning of the first round for either younger players in unproven situations or elite wide receivers? What's your take, Keith? 
I think personally for me, I am not typically a round one RB truther. I have switched a lot of my drafting styles to kind of go more towards a zero RB approach or trying to hit on one of those top tier wide receivers. Because I think for you and I and most people that we know playing in a PPR format, receptions matter, touchdowns matter, and receivers tend to flow a lot better in that. And some of these RBs, I don't have a single one of the ownership except for Henry, and I felt I had to take him, and it was at the eight spot, and he fell to me in a draft that you and I are in. It was like, why not take him at that? But I don't know if you're overreacting here. I will say that some of these guys, like Dalvin and Eckler, will find their way, but it's tough to look at what CMC did with Baker and in hopefully approved offense and look at that output and be excited about that, especially if you spent a pick two on him. Some people went pick one. Because when CMC is good, he is dangerous. Obviously, Najee with some injury questions already this early. Bad vibes. Bad vibes with Najee. I love Najee, but there is just, oh, bad vibes over there. Because running backs, volume is king. So I tend to, like, think Henry would figure it out down the line. You know, King Henry can still be King Henry, but Najee getting injured this early, that's tough. And I don't know what to think about Dalvin's performance. You know, that was a game that, we got to see a new offense, kind of a new look, Vikings. And I wasn't very impressed by his play output. And you've got Madison waiting in the wings who might be as good or 90% of the player that Dalvin is sitting in his wings right there. And that that was tough to watch. I don't know if this is an overreaction here, Sean. I, I think Dalvin will be fine. He was on the field. The offense looks good. You know, Najee is one of the funnest players in football, but... I mean, he's already dealing with this foot injury. He re-aggravated the foot injury. He's telling everyone he's going to play. So it's like, okay, we have a hobbled Najee Harris behind one of the worst O-lines in football. Not ideal. Um, King Henry, I love King Henry, but I was fading King Henry in the draft. I was super excited to take Eckler at four in a couple drafts. I think he'll be fine, but he wasn't very efficient. And yeah, CMC really wasn't targeted as much from Baker, so... It's interesting. I think this is the classic week one overreaction because all these guys could go off. But I think this is more about how I feel about that second bunch of running backs in DeAndre Swift, Saquon Barkley, Javante, Leonard Fournette, James Conner, and Joe Mixon. These guys are younger. They're productive. I think they all had some question marks tagged with them, and that's why you're able to get them at a cheaper ADP. But if you were able to go take a wide receiver in the first round and you were able to pick up like Saquon or Swift, you know, there's some people that have, you know, Stefan Diggs and Deandre Swift, like on the back end of the draft. And that is just nasty. And that's why I felt drafting at the back end of the draft was almost better than drafting at the front end of the draft this year. Pushes you out of that forced decision to take that high level RB that's staring at you at pick five, like a Najee or something, or like say you're four and you don't know whether to take the elite wide out or take someone like Henry because you're basing off previous years. And then you're looking at the second tier list of Swift, Saquon, Javante, Lenny, Connor, and Mixon. And I could look at four of these names who might end up being running backs anywhere one through five at the end of this year. And I know this is week one, but Swift looked amazing. Swift looked so fun. And that looks like the kind of fantasy player I have. And Saquon, the past two weeks, has said, I'm coming after everybody. I'm putting my name back on the map, and he looked like the Saquon of old. I mean, that was fun to watch him play. And I think we all know what Javante is. It's just a matter of will will they let him out of the cage and end this Melvin Gordon split. 
Yeah. And if you, you know, for the eight listeners to the first episode of the, <laughs> the Regression to the Meme podcast, I talked about RB1 potential and Swift, Saquon, and Javante were all discussed. And it was pretty obvious. But when we're in the draft room, we have the whole rankings in our mind. And it's like, I'm, I wanted DeAndre Swift over Dalvin Cook. But I wasn't going to do that, you know, because like that's not what ADP dictated. Um, but it's interesting. I think we're seeing an elite tier of running backs form before our eyes for next season. And it'll be really interesting to see how this shakes out. It's an interesting mix of ages in here, too. Yeah. I mean, like Henry is obviously a veteran. CMC has been around for a little bit. Eckler has been around. But Najee being in that group, I mean, he's he's the young guy in the group. Yeah. And he's supposed to be the volume king. And he was supposed to be the guy that you probably felt safe taking, especially after watching last year with Big Ben lead that offense. And I'm not saying Trubisky is that great of a quarterback, but he is an upgrade over what we was Big Ben last year. Are we year. sure? <laughs> I, 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 I don't know. No, he is. He's more mobile. I think a lot of these offenses, some of them, you know, CMC has a new quarterback. Dalvin has a new offensive coordinator. Najee Harris has a new quarterback. Um, yeah. You know, King Henry he he's coming off an injury right like so i think there are a lot of passes we can give eckler's the weird one i thought eckler would just smash out the gates so we'll see he eckler was so good last year like amazing ridiculous so either way you know i think that the running back position is proving to be pretty deep so we'll see how it shakes out but i'm with you i don't really think i'm overreacting watching deandre swift and saquon and javante just absolutely tear it up over some of these strong running backs that just didn't look as explosive or weren't as good at offenses. I think Leonard Fournette has a very interesting case for being a top five RB again, just obviously with Tom and his trust in him and the run that they had, you know, last year and how good he looked as a fantasy running back. And that was somebody I ended up getting in like a fifth or sixth round last year, you yeah. know, just like going a zero RB method. And I think Lenny kind of has this stink on him from some of the later years of his Jaguars playing days. And people kind of wrote him off, but I think we forget that Leonard Fournette has always been a very good running back. Maybe circumstantial, things didn't go so well with him. But as long as he stays healthy, I don't see any reason why he doesn't repeat last season's success. And as long as Tom continues to like playing football, that should be a good situation for Lenny looking forward again. James Conner is the only one on the second list that I'm not nervous about. Obviously, I think he's very talented, but the Cardinals freak me out a little bit. I just don't. I don't like their team at all. So Yeah, it's not super fun turning on red zone and being like, okay, it's time to show me the Arizona Cardinals. <laughs> That's what I'm trying to watch right now. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, I, I think we'll see how this shakes out, but I don't think this is overreaction. The second round running backs look better than the first round running backs. Yep. And I think this segues into my second overreaction. The elite wide receivers have never been better, and probably we should be taking elite wide receivers over elite running backs moving forward. So this class of wide receivers, I'm going to call the Fab Five. That's corny. I'm going to call it the Big Five. I'm going to call it the Big Five. I don't know what I'm going to call it, but you know who I'm talking about. I'm talking about Cooper Cup, talking about Justin Jefferson, talking about Jamar Chase, Stephon Diggs, and Devontae Adams. I mean... I love these them. guys I love are them all. ridiculous. I mean, if you like, if you have any of these guys on your teams, you're you're gonna you know score over like 110 PPR points in fantasy. Like they're just a walking 20 to 30 point bomb every week. I mean, I 
it, I just, it's weird. Like our whole entire lives, it's been running back first round running back is what matters. And, you know, now we're playing a lot of formats where you're going to start three wide receivers, start four wide receivers, mm-hmm. wide receiver depth is, is critical. And these five guys, I think they're more valuable to me than, than a high end running back. And they have the built in ability of staying healthy. Wide receivers don't get as injured as running backs. So here us go to, to a hero RB and zero RB truthers here. But I mean, yes, I mean, these guys are ridiculous. And I think that I'd rather have any of these guys over the top five that we're going after week one. And I know it's a classic week one overreaction, but I just, they are the focal points of their offenses. And the NFL is becoming a, how elite is your quarterback? How elite is your wide receiver one league? And these five guys are just ridiculous. Yeah, I actually don't think this is an overreaction by any means. I mean, three of the five guys on this list, I roster among my four fantasy teams, you know, and unfortunately I didn't win my matchup that had digs on it due to some unfortunate circumstances with Derrick Henry. Our, but, our 10 listeners really care about your matchups, Keegan. I know, I know. <laughs> but Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase, Stephon Diggs, like having all three of those, like I'm not scared about anything going to any week. And, you know, like I said, in the beginning, the past two years, I've moved to a zero RB approach because these wide receivers have so much more value in PPR formats or formats that have larger amount of roster spots where you are starting three wide receivers. I think these guys make way more of a difference than a running back any week. And I'm not even thinking about well, how many points am I going to get out of my running back? I'm like, Just give me double digits and I won't bother you kind of thing. And these wide receivers have such high ceilings and point potential on a weekend and week out basis, I see no reason why if, if the draft would have gone these five wide receivers, one through five, I wouldn't bat an eye. That's just not where we're at yet. And I think fantasy football drafting will continue to adjust. But if you nailed any one of these in your first round, you're extremely happy. I mean, you're living life. I don't think this is an overreaction at all. I, I, I was able to take Jefferson in round one and Saquon in round two in a league. And I'm feeling pretty, pretty good. Um, I'm sure I just like this is where the NFL is going and these five dudes just dominate and they are their offenses and it's pretty remarkable to watch it in action I mean Jamar Chase had one of the craziest days I've seen I mean what how many almost touchdowns he catch like four and they were it was just he could have had like 60 points yesterday it was insane like and Jamar and Justin are young I yes. mean, like if you're if you're one of the lucky like dynasty owners of these guys, I mean, you are salivating over the next couple of years. I mean, they are record breaking, like on pace to be Hall of Fame number receivers at such a very young age. And, you know, to be honest, I faded Cooper Cup in a lot of my drafts and I opted JJ and I opted Jamar Chase over him twice, mainly because of Stafford's elbow. And I wasn't sure. But what did he do? He went out. Week one and the Rams were shitty and Cooper Cup was awesome. He was the so. off. He was literally the offense. It was like, oh, we can't run the ball. We'll throw a bubble screen to Cooper Cup. He falls forward for six yards. Like it's and just. Yeah. I don't know why he's open so much every play, but he sure the hell is. And you know that kind of that stuff matters in a long fantasy season. Like these five guys are going to make a difference on your roster if you were lucky enough to draft one of them. And I. Like I said, I don't think it's an overreaction at all. I think all five of them are more valuable than CMC and Eckler and Henry, Harris, and Dalvin. All of them. Wow. That is a bold take, <laughs> and I am here for it. I think what's crazy, too, is like 
Devontae Adams just showed up and then they just started running the Packers offense from last year, which was just <laughs> like, fuck it, Devontae's down there somewhere. I was I was cracking up. He got an insane target share. I mean, they were just feeding him. And I mean, why not? The guy was just his release off the line of scrimmage, just absolutely toasting cornerbacks. I mean, different jersey, but he looked Are there, pretty elite. Uh... Are there any second round receivers you think like that are maybe outside of this group looking in who you would still value higher than some of those running backs that went early in the draft? I don't know. I mean, who knows? You know, next week, Austin Eckler and CMC are going to go for 40. But <laughs> but I mean, you have to see that A.J. Brown performance and be super wow. encouraged. You have yep. to be you have to be super encouraged by that Michael Pittman performance. Tariq um, only scored, I think, like 20. PPR fantasy points, but he had like over a 30% target share. I think it's only a matter of time before he goes absolutely bananas. And, you know, Debo's going to start playing running back. Again. <laughs> I mean, so I mean, like, I don't, I don't know what's going to happen there, but it, that's always somebody you have to look out for. But I think that outside tier strong. I don't know if I'd put him above Eckler, CMC, and that crew yet, but. You know? I think AJ Brown was the name I was thinking yeah. of just after watching that first week performance, you know, with, with Jalen and kind of a new environment for him. And he looks really, really good. And there's more to AJ Brown than just being a specimen of an athlete. Like he is a very refined route runner, a very good receiver and a lot of technical aspects of his game are so yeah. strong. I wouldn't be surprised to see him wind up like at that top seven a wide receivers of this league. But hey, it's week one. That's So this one is going to be near and dear to your heart because <laughs> you've been beating the drum on this guy for a while. So our third overreaction, underdrafted veteran running backs are going to continue to lead their backfields. So James Robinson over Travis Etienne, Michael Carter over Brees Hall, Rex Burkhead. Oh. Over Damian Pierce. Oh, no. Uh. That that sucked. As a Damian Pierce truther, that was a bummer. Um, we'll dive into that in a second. But I, I wanted to get your take here first with Michael Carter over Brees Hall. So what's going on there with the Jets' backfield? Yeah, I think, um, I think this is truly a case of Brees Hall is a rookie. And what we saw him do at Iowa State it was obviously extremely impressive. And he is, no doubt, a elite running back talent, like in terms of skill, speed explosiveness he is all of that but i mean this is the nfl and you have to earn your starting shares and we saw Brees go four five rounds before michael carter went in a lot of drafts and michael carter earned his role last year and showed why the jets drafted him i think he's a very talented pass catcher and he's he fights for yards him and javante and college have very similar profiles as people who will get you that extra three or four yards and they trust him with the ball to make a play I would say as far as week five, um, you're probably going to see a lot of Michael Carter still in that offense. And it's it's a trust thing with the organization. Uh, it's a work thing, you know, put in the time, put in the hours. And I don't want to be cliche about it, but it truly is. And I'm not saying Brees Hall will not pay dividends to fantasy owners, but people who drafted him in the fourth or fifth round thinking he was going to be this smash rookie hit to start the season – might not have understood that there's still going to be a lot of Michael Carter action that we see this year. And I would I would compare it to Denver's situation with Melvin and Javante. Not saying talent-wise and production-wise, but I'm saying splits and how the Jets will approach that personnel with those two. And you're going to see them on the field 
together a lot. I think we got a little glimpse of that. The offense was not great last week against the Ravens, and it didn't go as planned. But you're going to see a lot of them on the field together. But you will continue to see Michael Carter get his touches, get some receptions, and he's going to be a factor in the Jets' offense for the beginning of the season for sure. So I I do believe that is he's going to kind of win that role until Brees earns his right to. And Michael Carter had 17 Week One fantasy points. Brees Hall had 10, so 10. it wasn't yep. a complete bust. We'll get nope. to our other bust um, in a yeah. second. But, I mean, Brees Hall scored more points than Travis Etienne and Damian Pierce. He caught a ton of balls. He also fumbled, right, which is yes. never good. So, yep. no, no fumble. You're looking at 12 fantasy points, which would have put yeah. him at a top 24 running back finish. So, they probably have – viability in your lineups. I mean, you, it looks like you get away with Michael Carter in an RB2, and yeah. you could probably play Brees Hall in the flex. And just looking ahead, this is way far ahead for Michael Carter owners. Um, this is like if you own any of the Jets players and you're probably disappointed with how the offense went, when you're going into fantasy playoffs, the Jets are looking at the Lions, the Jaguars, the Seahawks, and then the Dolphins to close out their year. Now, the Dolphins' defense did look improved, but if you're looking at Michael Carter, Brees Hall against Lions, Jaguars, and Seahawks when you're fighting for a playoff spot or fighting in playoffs, those are going to be some really good matchups down the year. So don't give up on the Jets running backs and don't be upset with Brees if he burned you week one because you started him, obviously, if you drafted him that high. There's more to come for them. Yeah. I'm not I, being a homer, but there's I, more to come for them. I, I agree with you. It, I, I think that overall this backfield will shake out in a fantasy-friendly way. And then I think, too, for this overreaction for the James Robinson-Travis Etienne split, you know how much I love J-Rob. I'm a huge believer in his talent and his work ethic. And it's insane to think that of all the players that have torn their Achilles over the past couple of years that have came back at running back, he's pretty much the only one that showed any burst. Yeah. I mean, he, he looked really good. And yeah, I agree. He ended up finishing the day as running back 11 with 19.9 fantasy points. And Travis Etienne actually finishes RB 37 with 8.5 fantasy points. So I didn't watch a ton of this game because it was kind of a slot fest. But every time it, you know, panned over, it was Travis Etienne dropping a touchdown or yes. James Robinson yes. breaking free for like 20 yards. And from my understanding, to start the game, it was ETN. He was getting the majority of the snaps. They went in in the second half, and James Robinson got the majority of the snaps. So it was a pretty even snap distribution. From what I'm seeing here, James Robinson played 34. Travis ETN played 36. So this looks like more of a committee than I think we're ready to admit. And for anyone that drafted James Robinson late, it's probably going to pay dividends because I think he's yeah. too good to keep off the field. And for anyone that you know drafted ETN, he probably could have had a much bigger day than he did. And I think he's an explosive player. It's going to be used in the passing game. But yeah, I'm, I mean, he did drop a a touchdown. Yes, like wide open touchdown. All he had to do is take the ball in his hands, and he got. I think he just got excited. And you know, ETN not playing at all last year is kind of his rookie year, right? Yeah. He's got to figure it all out still, but. I think what you said about it being a committee is probably more true than Travis Etienne drafters would like to hear. Um, but it's just kind of the truth of the matter because you got to keep talent on the field. And James Robinson has always proved that he's he's very talented. And Travis Etienne as well. But 
that was not a great week one showing from him with the drop touchdowns for sure. Totally agree. But the one that was really bizarre was what happened with the Texans. So Damian Ugh. Pierce, <laughs> Damian, <laughs> Damian Pierce starts the first two series. He is the he one to start the game. Then they take a lead. And then basically Rex Burkhead is on, on passing downs and on rushing downs. And he just pretty much dominates the lion's share of the snaps and carries for the rest of the game. After the game, Lovey Smith says, you know, we envisioned using Damian Pierce in a bigger role and we'd like to use our running back one more than we did. And we will moving forward. Just super bizarre. He also admitted to playing for a tie, which was yeah. kind of hilarious. So I don't know what to make of this one. This this one seems the flimsiest. Like I'm not buying Rex Burkhead being a viable running back two in fantasy. I think this one could be more of an overreaction, but again, confirm my priors. I'm a Damian Pierce truther so i have to check my priors at the door but curious to know your take like do you think rex burkhead is the rb1 moving forward in this backfield i think what shocks me is the 72 percent of snaps he played that number i mean that hurts i was pretty big on damien in the preseason i did not end up getting him on any of my fantasy teams so i don't have to deal with this headache but looking at 72 percent of snaps played for rex burkhead and it makes you wonder it's like i don't know if we're gonna, if this is the end of seeing Rex Burkhead, I have a feeling this will continue, at least for the next two weeks. Um, and I'm not saying Damian Pierce won't get his work too, but I mean with the passing down play and obviously Lovey Smith and the Texans trust Rex Burkhead, it's tough to look at this and be like, oh yeah, start Damian Pierce next week and oh no, roll you can't. With it. You, you can't, can't start him. You can't. You're no. gonna have to just. This is the quote. I've got it here from Lovey Smith. <laughs> Sometimes when you look back, you can't defend the amount of reps our starting tailback got in some of the situations. I wish he had gotten more. We're going to work to get him more of those opportunities. I don't know what happened. I mean, you got John McClain, longtime Texans beat writer, saying, if if we see more Rex Burkhead, it's pretty clear Jack Easterby is calling the plays. I guess this is the price to pay for drafting anyone on the Texans that isn't yep. Brandon Cooks. Yeah. Um, but I think that's an overreaction. I don't think James Robinson with Travis Etienne and Michael Carter with three solids an overreaction though. Moving on to overreaction number four. Everyone said, you know, should we switch to a super flex standard for most fantasy leagues? There's just so many viable quarterbacks that you can play week in and week out. This top 12 has never been stronger, et cetera, et cetera. But after week one, it kind of just looks like it's Mahomes and Josh Allen and everyone else. They were the only two quarterbacks to clear over 30 fantasy points. The third quarterback was weirdly Carson Wentz. We're going to talk about that <laughs> a little bit later. But we had Jalen Hurts, Justin Herbert, and Joe Burrow round out the top five, and they all finished under 25 points. So, you know, I this, this is crazy. How much better the Chiefs and Bills looked on offense than the rest of the league? Insane. And Mahomes and Allen just looked at, on a different level. Like they were in a different stratosphere. So is this is an overreaction? Is it a clear one-two and the rest is just, you know, that's that tier and you're happy if you have them. But if you're going up against Mahomes and Allen, you have no shot. Or do you think that the rest of the position stabilizes and, you know, you know somebody else emerges outside of Carson Wentz? 
I think the rest position stabilizes, but I don't know if anybody makes a case for taking over one and two. I think there was a lot of chatter about what's going to happen with Hill going and leaving to Miami. You know, how is he going to distribute the ball? Like, what's he going to do with his weapons? And he came out there and was like, oh, yeah, that's right. It's Patrick Mahomes. He's the best quarterback in the NFL. Easily. Yeah, I I mean, and I was texting people on Thursday Josh Allen was ridiculous. I mean, amazing, ridiculous. And Mahomes, I don't think I've ever seen him. I mean, maybe it's just I haven't watched him in eight months, but wow. I mean, he was just. There's a have, nice reminder. They're so deep at weapons, like a wide receiver now. They have all these tight ends. They have all these viable wide receivers. They can throw three different running backs at you. It's like they have so much talent on the field. It's pretty remarkable. And I think what's funny is we were like, oh, is Juju going to break out? What's Travis Kelsey going to do? Um, which running back should we choose? And it's like, maybe we just pick the guy who's at the center of all of it. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Just focus back on Pat Mahomes. And I think the case for Allen, I mean, you watch the game with the Rams. Like there is so much maturity that's happened with Allen over the years from being Project Wyoming quarterback with crazy arm to elite level talent as a quarterback and elite level football IQ. Like there are some plays that he made and some decisions he made in week one against the Rams that made you realize like, wow, this guy is grown up. And there's always the upside of Allen getting 30 to 45 yards rushing a game. And he will truck the hell out of you on his way to it too. He is a fearless warrior on the field. And so I think these two are the clear cut one and two, not an overreaction at all. It would be, it would, it's going to take something serious from this next group of quarterbacks for me to be like, oh, maybe. Um, and I, we're talking fantasy and we're talking NFL yeah. QB play as well, too. Yeah. Like These are the clear one and two in both your fantasy football leagues and the NFL right now. Totally agree. You know, it's always at the beginning of the year you were saying Mahomes, Allen, and Wentz, right? That was your big, <laughs> that was your big three. Uh, but Jalen Hurts was great. Jalen Hurts could have scored. Good. He could have scored more. That rushing upside is insane. Herbert was awesome. Kind of a weird divisional game. The Raiders' defense played pretty well. You know, he looked awesome just from a football perspective. He made some wild throws. Yeah, he looked awesome. And then Burrow scoring 22 fantasy points while throwing like four picks is kind of a feat in itself. So, yeah, I think a lot of those guys will be good. But, you know, Dak getting injured is pretty crazy. Trey Lance was drafted pretty high. I mean, we're going to give him a pass because of a monsoon, but that was ugly. Oh, are, are we giving him a pass or are you giving him a pass? I'm going to give him a pass. Um, I'm going to give okay. him a pass because, look, we just talked about Josh Allen, and Josh Allen used to look like monsoon Trey Lance. So we'll, we'll hopefully arrows are pointing up. But I, I think there are some fantasy-friendly offenses, and we're going to see some quarterbacks emerge, and we can talk a little bit about it in the, the waiver wire section. If you have Mahomes and Allen, I think you have a confidence going into each week that not everyone might have. And I think that a lot of people have laughed at the early QB strategy, but if you can hit that sweet spot of like Allen in the third, Mahomes in the fourth, you're probably feeling pretty good right now. Probably Probably feeling pretty good. So the last overreaction I have here, should we just throw out the tight end position? Cause this is, this is getting ugly. So, Of course, on my Bold Predictions pod in episode two with Evan, I said, Travis Kelsey, his days of being tight end one are done. It's Kyle Pitts season. Um, (laughs) Travis Kelsey, uh, I think, scored 27 fantasy points, was the clear tight end one in week one. And I think Kyle Pitts got outscored by two separate 
Seahawks tight ends and uh, and two different Broncos tight ends. So that's yeah. always fun. But here are the top five tight ends last week. Travis Kelsey, OJ Howard, who had two targets, two catches, <laughs> two touchdowns. Taysom Hill, who basically played running back. Gerald Everett, who out of this five is, you know, I think somebody Could be a should, decent be, yeah, you should be looking yeah. at Gerald Everett. And then tight end five was Will Disley. And how I mentioned two different Seattle tight ends outscored Kyle Pitts. They also outscored Darren Waller and Mark Andrews. Um, yeah. So this is pure insanity. And yeah. I don't know how this shakes out, but should, you know, should we just be tossing the tight end position out the window, making an extra flex? If you want to play one of the top five tight ends, you play them. But wow, that was that was rough for the tight end Abysmal. position week one. I think my prediction is week two, we'll see this list to look like Travis Kelsey, Mark Andrews, Kyle Pitts. Okay. And it'll kind of go back to normal. But this week one is a testament to the belief that I agree. Just give me an extra flex. And if I want to play a tight end, I'll play a freaking tight end. You know? I don't want to deal with this roulette of David and Joku on week one. I didn't I didn't enjoy doing that. I had no fun. And I started Mark Andrews this week and it was whatever. And I was really excited about it. But that's third round draft capital you spend on a tight end because you're like, oh, I'm securing the position. I'm never gonna have to worry about it. And then you still get screwed by it. And it's the most frustrating position outside of the kicker spot, I think. And that's why you draft George Kittle. Oh. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. George Kittle, time is a flat circle. George Kittle pops his groin on a Monday light jog walkthrough. <laughs> and that is chaos, chaos. But yeah, I, I think it'll stabilize. Week one is just madness, too. Yes. So it does not surprise me some of these random players popped off. So looking at the week one waiver wires, I think it's always fun to start the quarterback position. So. I think we have a little bit of overlap here. I don't know if we do for quarterbacks in particular, but I think it'll be important to hit on a couple people. So say Dak Prescott was your quarterback, he's injured. Say you have Trey Lance and you're a little worried about that performance and you're looking for some insurance. Even though Carson Wentz was QB3 and I was on this podcast last week saying, I think he gets benched by week nine. I think Wentz is somebody you're going to have to take a look at. It may be a mirage of a game, but that was absolutely monstrous. He was playing the Jaguars, but he threw four touchdowns. He was able to get over 29 fantasy points while also throwing two picks. He threw over 300 yards. And I think the reason why there might be some viability to this is because I think I was underestimating the targets that he's going to have at his disposal. Jahan Dotson looked awesome. Terry McLaurin's amazing. The return of Curtis Samuel. Yes. They were using Antonio Gibson as a wide receiver down the field. It was really cool. The offense looked awesome. He was doing the most Carson Wentz stuff ever. He threw a pick to a defensive end. Um, and no one take <laughs> no one no one gets sacked better than Carson Wentz. I mean, the guy is just an absolute pro at getting crushed. But I think he's somebody you're gonna have to take a look at. I think James Winston is someone you want to look at. Now he had a terrible first half, but he has a lot of good weapons in that offense, and it wasn't dink and dunk Drew Brees. They were pushing the ball downfield. You know, he was hitting Jarvis Landry downfield, throwing mm-hmm. Michael Thomas in the red zone. They were getting Chris Olave involved. They have Alvin Kamara. That's just a good offense. Quarterbacks mm-hmm. and good offenses can tend to do well. So I think he'd be a good waiver wire to pick up. And lastly, Marcus Mariota. You know, 
that's a really good Saints defense they were playing. I think he finished the week with 19 fantasy points. He had a ton of rushing upside. The offense looked really fun. They were running a lot of different like pistol formations. They have a lot of good athletes on the field. And I think that if you're looking for like an arbitrage Trey Lance, not a bad guy to pick up. So those are my three. Who, who are your three for this week? I uh, definitely was going to talk about Winston and Wentz, but you covered that. I think those are probably the two strongest ads. Um, I try to go a little bit deeper with mine. Um, I'll start off by saying these are names that you're not going to like putting them in that QB slot. You might not love looking at them, but there is some potential upside with these, especially like you said, if you're missing Dak. But I'll start off with Jared Goff. Um, I think they're going to be in a very similar, similar situation as last year where playing from behind, they're frisky. Dan Campbell has this team fighting till the end. And they're going to be playing from deficits. And Goff has weapons with St. Brown. You've got Swift kind of going down there, TJ Hawkinson. They have options for Goff to move the ball around. I think there is some some type of fantasy upside with Goff. And it might not be the sexiest play, but there is something there with playing from deficit. And remember, it's fantasy. We don't care about whether win, they, win or losses. We care about situational football, and they're going to be down a lot. Um, I have Trevor Lawrence down. So- um, so oh, golf so golf is somebody that you could stream right like yeah probably don't want him on your team most weeks but if he has mm-hmm. a good matchup or where you, where you think the game script can be positive for passing you think he's a viable player to pick up i agree i agree i don't think this is somebody you like think oh this will fix my quarterback solution but this is a decent streaming option yeah it's a good dart uh, it's a good dart throw i like the idea of like they're always going to be losing <laughs> and you just yeah. <laughs> push the ball downfield. Exactly. Um, and I have Trevor Lawrence on this list too. And I wasn't necessarily impressed by some of his decision-making or how he played throughout that game. But it is very similar to Goff where the team has improved. They've put some weapons around him. I thought Christian Kirk was awesome. Um, obviously, Aggie guy, so I love him. But I thought he did look really good in that offense with James Robinson and ETN maybe figuring it out. I think Trevor Lawrence has potential as a streamer as well too where – Deficit situations, throw the ball a lot. And we know Trevor Lawrence has an outstanding arm. We've all known that. It's just, can he put it together at the NFL level? I don't know if I would do that this week, um, but that's somebody to look out for if you're QB needy. And then my last one is Danny Dimes. <laughs> Dable was going to kill that man on the sidelines. Danny, Danny Dimes. I know. He is probably the most frustrating option you could have on here, but there's no... There's no denying that there is some weird rushing upside with one of the fastest players in the NFL and Danny Dimes. (laughs) He he is quick and so fast. And I, I just think all three of these guys that they're dark throw streamer options, like check the matchups, see who they're playing and they could plug in and get you a solid 18 to 21 points on a week that maybe you need some QB help or you don't like the matchup or you're starting QB. Um, Danny Dimes probably has the worst weapons, I think, of this group of three, um, with Galladay being an absolute bust. But Shepard did have that 60-yard-plus touchdown from Danny Dimes. Saquon opens up the offensive lot. I think you noticed in that game, like, they have to fill the box up because they have to honor Saquon. Like, they will get to throw the ball a bit more if Saquon has a more productive rushing year. So I think that's positive for them. And then also, I just put a note here, like, give Kadarius Tony the ball. Put him on the field and give him the ball. He is so fun to watch with the ball in his hand. He's got to be the worst teammate. <laughs> there's like, <laughs> like, there's no reason why else he's not on the field. He's just got to be the worst. Um, he, yeah, he's, he's real, real Jamie, real Jamie Tart vibes <laughs> for our Ted Lasso fans. I saw a tweet. 
Uh, uh, it's like Jamie Tart getting benched after two goals is Kadarius yep. Tony because the dude comes on the field, he just moves different. Yeah, he, moves, he just moves different, man. But it's, I think you know, I'd be pretty bummed if I was starting Danny Dimes. But you're right. Oh, yeah. I mean, the guy's got the rushing upside, and you know, again, as somebody who has Trey Lance in a league, you know, I, I mean, eh, it, it doesn't like look said, that different so far, you know. No. So. Like I said, these aren't like your your replacements. These are streaming options that could get you the amount of points you need to maybe secure a matchup. I think my top two options would probably be Winston and Wentz. Yeah, and I like Mariota too. Okay, so moving on to running backs. Now, a lot of articles we've seen come out over this past couple days have had Daryl Henderson as the number one waiver wire target. If you're playing in a league with Daryl Henderson on the waivers – that's your first problem, but yes. go pick him up. If he's out there, blow your whole fab. I think he's clearly running back one right now. It sounds like Akers not only is not looking great, he's in the doghouse. So this is assuming that Daryl Henderson is rostered in your league, but mm-hmm. I think you have to lead with the San Francisco running backs. So a yep. lot of people are going to run to go claim Jeff Wilson. If you watched the game, Jeff Wilson was awful. The rest of the 49er running backs averaged six yards a pop. Wilson averaged 2.5. He was not great. Now, he is a veteran. Kyle Shanahan trusts him. He's a great goal line back. Has scored a ton of touchdowns. He could get some receiving work. But I prefer Jordan Mason over Jeff Wilson, purely based off talent. So, so I prefer Jordan Mason over Jeff Wilson. But Jeff Wilson is probably going to play right away. He'll probably be the starter next week. And they just signed Marlon Mack. Mar- yep, so, I was going to say, some news today. So have, Marlon Mack. <laughs> so have fun with this. I just would not blow your whole fab on it. If you need a running back for next week, I think Rex Burkhead is a solid dart throw. Even if Damian Pierce reclaims like 50% of the just standard running game work, Burkhead's going to be out there for the two-minute drill. He's going to be out there in blowouts. So they're going to mm-hmm. be passing it to Burkhead. So I think it's it's not a bad idea to pick him up. Um, again, I don't know if I'm blowing my whole fab on him. I would be smart about it, but I think he's a viable flex option or RB2 option if you went zero RB. Mm-hmm. Jalen Warren is a good dart throw. I don't think he's going to have a lot of long-term viability. Um, Najee seems pretty hell-bent on playing, but Najee already has foot issues. The foot issues are not going away. This is a stress-related injury. You're going to have to rest it. I I'm worried Najee could make it through the whole year. He's a tough dude. I'm not assuming that Jalen Warren would be a running back one if Najee gets hurt, though. I mean, this whole line mm-hmm. is garbage. If you're a Najee owner, I would prioritize Jalen Warren. Agreed. And even if you're not, this is kind of a dart throw. It's kind of a stash. But, you know, the Steelers are going to run with one guy. So it could mm-hmm. be Jalen Warren. And last, you know... This is just a dart throw, but Rashad White was the only other running back that played behind Leonard, Leonard Fournette. Leonard Fournette I love this one, though. had a history of like hamstrings. And, you know, Rashad White is a rookie, and Tom Brady doesn't really trust rookies. You know, he looks like somebody that could do really well in a Tom Brady offense. So I would, I would add him if he gets dropped this week because I think a lot of people drafted him, but people could drop him for the next shiny thing, and you could swoop in on Friday waivers. Which, side note, Friday waivers after week one – Sometimes better than the first round of waivers. So something to keep an eye on is who gets dropped for who. Because you might yep. be able to go uh, thrift shopping for some quality people. So I think Rashad White fits that bill as well. I like that, definitely. Who um, you got? Who you got? 
Yeah, so looking at my running backs, I definitely put down um, the SF running back roulette. I think to echo what you said, if you are going to look for something like Jeff Wilson, like don't spend. I, I've heard some people say like I would spend upwards of 60% of my fab, but I wouldn't do that because we know no. the history with the 49ers running back room. No, and, I would not do that. Jeff Wilson you know, was terrible. Marlon Mack could end up leading this backfield. Oh, kill you know? me. Kill me I now. <laughs> I mean, it's just such a dart throw. So I don't think, like, if you really are running back DD, I, I would maybe – I would probably go towards Jeff Wilson just due to security and understanding of the offense and trust in Kyle Shanahan and vice versa. But I'm probably going to stay away from this on the waivers. Um, I have a similar – kind of case that you put forward with uh, Jalen Warren and I have Dontrell Hilliard on here. Mm-hmm. This is for the Derrick Henry owners. Uh, don't be scared of Derrick Henry's week one. I think he will figure it out, but there was definitely some obvious positive impact with Dontrell Hilliard and what he does in the passing game and how he maximized his touches last week. I thought he was really, really good and ended up with, I think 20 fantasy points on the week. This is not somebody who, as long as Derrick Henry's healthy, I don't know if you would start him. But if you're a Derrick Henry owner, this is somebody I would try and stash um, and keep. And he could be an upside play if Henry goes down. Um, I think if you have a deeper bench of running backs and you're looking to add somebody for later in the season, this is a good one. Um, I yeah. think the most impactful option I have on my list is Jamal Williams. Um, and and it's because of the trust they have in scoring situations in Jamal Williams. I think he gets a lot of looks in the red zone near the goal line. Um, it's obvious that they really wanted to be involved in this offense. And he kind of comes in as a change of pace play for Swift. And I think there's value in maybe a flex play for Jamal Williams. Um, I agree. I'm somebody who owns Jamal on my fantasy benches. And I drafted him knowing this. Um, was an owner of him last year. And it's a very similar situation. And they're going to score more points than they did last year. And I think Jamal could be a beneficiary of that. And Swift will still eat. This is not a pick up Jamal if Swift goes down this is a pick up Jamal and he can actually impact on your fantasy team yeah and a caveat too with Jamal Williams he is available in a bunch of leagues I would have put him just like Daryl Henderson Jamal Williams is above like everyone I mentioned he has a clear yeah. role built-in security and then if anything happened to Swift he'd, he'd get a lot of runs so yeah yep. 100% agree with you on that and I noticed that we, we talked about this with James Robinson earlier, but he is definitely available in some leagues. Um, oh, if your league that's didn't draft money. him. Yeah, go yes. pick him up. Oh, my goodness. That is my number one. If he's okay. available, I would spend a ton of your free agent budget to pick up James Robinson. I would put in that waiver claim ASAP. Please go get him. And I don't think there's anything more to say. And then my home run play, and this one's kind of just like, this is how good the Chiefs are that I think if you wanted to stash Isaiah Pacheco, there is some weird value in him, and you saw it last week, where he gets touches in the fourth quarter because they're resting Clyde. <laughs> I mean, they're yeah. winning so hard, he's going to get um, late-game touches. And it's not about them winning necessarily. It's what he did with those touches at the end of the game. He was extremely impactful, and I think you saw some of that hype from the preseason be validated in training camp. I thought he looked really good, and he is a stout running back, and he's got number 10. So he looks really fast. Well, you're just like, that's Tyreek. And your yeah, brain exactly. is your brain is absolutely peaking. I mean, you're like, yep. no, that's seventh round Rutgers running back, Isaiah Pacheco. <laughs> I, yep. That's the stash play, though. Yeah, because, you know, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire has been the model of health his first two years in the league. I, I love these. I think Pacheco's awesome. So for receivers here, I think Julio Jones is a great option. Godwin looks like he aggravated his hamstring. Yep. I think Godwin's going to be out. He probably shouldn't have played. That was kind of crazy that he was out there. 
And Julio weird. looked good. You know, he was on the TB12, hanging out with Tom Brady, drinking from the Fountain of Youth. You know, went to the I same might have been plastic, l- plastic surgeon as Tom Brady's face, face doctor. What's going on with Tom Brady's face? I don't know. Um, but Julio Jones looked good. He's clearly I think involved. they had him on a sweet play. Two. He had two handoffs, what? man. What um, was that? He, he looked he looked good. That offense looked kind of wonky. Um, it was running really through Leonard Fournette, but he looked good and involved. Curtis mm-hmm. Samuel, who's got, you know, some fantasy pedigree. He's got a top 25 fantasy finish on his resume. He was super injured last year. You know, he got brought in specifically to play a role and just couldn't. Um, he was third most in routes run. He led the team in targets. There's rushing upside with Brian Robinson out. Your guy, Robbie Anderson. I know. Um, How cool Jet, is great. that? <laughs> the most Robbie Anderson thing ever. He caught a 75-yard touchdown. How many 75-yard <laughs> touchdowns do you have? He had the same amount of snaps, the same amount of routes as DJ Moore. They only threw the ball 27 times, and he had eight targets. That, that's mm-hmm. really solid. He had a better day than DJ Moore. That's the best and quarterback he's had his whole career, for sure. Baker. Oh, my, that, that poor narrative. These poor <laughs> – um, and Josh Palmer, I think, is a great ad. So Keenan Allen hurt his hamstring. I think Keenan Allen could miss two or three weeks with a hamstring injury. So he had the third most routes on the team on Sunday. And the only game he played in where Keenan Allen didn't play last year, he went for six for 66 and a touchdown. So definitely someone to take a look at, Josh Palmer. Who do you, uh, who do you have? I love Curtis um, and Josh Palmer on this list. Curtis yeah. is kind of like a bargain Debo with some running back upside with yeah. those snaps he'll get back there. So I love that. Um, I think my number one is Jarvis Landry. And this could be somebody who helps you for a couple weeks. Uh, the resurgence of Michael Thomas is really cool. But, I mean, Jarvis Landry, nine targets, seven receptions, and 114 yards and a Saints debut. And Chris Olave, I think, will build his role and will grow in this offense but that might not be next week or the week after. I think there's some potential for Jarvis Landry to have an impact on your fantasy team in the flex spot for a couple of weeks. Um, This is not just a one-week stream or anything like that, so I do like him. Um, Tyler Boyd, this is an if. um, This is an if Higgins misses this week due to concussion. Um, I'm not sure if he'll go yet. I'm a Higgins owner. I hope he goes, but I don't know if they'll rush him back. Um, Not an impressive stat line, but he did catch a touchdown, four receptions on seven targets. 33 yards and a TD. And then I think of the, the we were talking about Washington so much, but it's hard not to. Because well, they went off. We, no one drafted any of these guys besides Scary Terry. And then their quarterback went absolutely bananas. So, of course, yes. everyone's talking about the commanders because people like Joe Schmoes, like me, thought they were going to be god awful. They still might be, but that's why we're talking about them. No one drafted these guys. And I'm looking at Jahan Dotson, who has a very low ownership across all leagues because he's a rookie, and unless you took a late-round dart throw on him, you probably don't have him rostered as your league doesn't either. Um, Five targets, three receptions, 40 yards, and two touchdowns. And I think he is the perfect wide receiver for Carson Wentz, who will throw a ball with his eyes closed to the end zone (laughs) and hope somebody catches it. And oddly enough, Jahan Dotson is that guy. I think he had some of the better ball skills of the rookie wide receivers and didn't get talked about because he fell out of that top tier group of rookie wideouts in the draft, but he is just as good as the rest of them. And he looked every bit the part this week, his hands, like he, he, these, I've heard stories of training camp, the way he catches the ball. It's insane. Like it, it looks like he has like suction cups on his hands. But yeah, I mean, he dude, he looks awesome. I mean, you, you can't deny that. And this one is ugly, but just kind of a fun. But Sterling Shepard, I mean, 
there are no wide receivers in New York that are going to play as much as Sterling Shepard will. And with Tony being the awful teammate that he is and maybe not seeing the field as much as we like, like there is a weapon for Danny Dimes to consistently go to. And I know we only had like that one big deep play. So maybe I'm overreacting here, but it's just somebody to look at on your waivers. If you need some depth at wide receiver, which I don't know, wide receiver, there's so many options out there. I would yeah. definitely lean toward Dotson or Landry here. Yeah, no, it's all good. And then if anyone drops, you know, Lave, because, you know, Landry went off, I'd swoop him up too. But we'll see. Agreed. I don't know if Agreed. Are doing that. For tight end. So here I just have the Michael Scott meme of him yelling no. Um, no, I, really quickly, Gerald Everett, I think you should pick him up if he's out there. Herbie loves to get the tight ends involved. You know, he was pretty good in LA. You know, he's a really athletic dude. And yeah, he caught a touchdown. He great play too he looked awesome so i think the standard a, for tight ends is so low it's pretty low it's pretty low <laughs> but he had like four catches four targets you, you got to pick up that somebody out there like that Taysom hill this Ugh. is this is rough you're i mean We're you're a, you're a sicko if you started yeah. Taysom hill like seek help but i mean he's gonna play like 20 percent of the snaps but when he's out there all the plays are gonna be going to him like he is the focal point of the play, he ripped off a huge Ugh. run, and then he, that touchdown he scored. That's the thing. Ripped off a huge he's, run. He's not a tight end. He's the, I don't know how he gets away. He, he can't keep getting away with this. Um, they should just remove him from fantasy. Like. It's kind of cheating because if he like all if like Kamara got hurt, he would he would play a lot. Like he would actually Ugh. play a lot, and you'd get to basically play a running back at tight end, which is just gross. And he'd throw it too a little bit. So we'll we'll see. But he. He's kind of a good football player. I know everyone loves to hate on him, but he he was making some just a gadget plays. guy, big old gadget guy. So again, like I would not spend much fab on this. This is a complete dart throw, and you are a you seek help if you put him in your starting mm-hmm. lineup this week. And I know like every smart fantasy player is like anyone that recommends OJ Howard is a nerd. He he ran like ten routes. He had two targets, caught two touchdowns. But OJ Howard was a really good prospect coming out of college. He's kind of been snake bitten with injuries. You know, he just got signed by the Texans and he came out and was productive. So I, I wouldn't expect a lot from him, but you two know, two targets, two receptions, <laughs> two, two touchdowns. touchdowns. <laughs> so, but if his routes start to go up, you know, he's competing against Brevin Jordan. I mean, like, come on here. OJ Howard is an Alabama tight end that got drafted in the first round. So, you know, if his routes start coming up, who knows? Like, it could be kind of a smash play, but that is a total, total, total dart throw. But who do you have at tight end? I only have two. Um, These ones are actually, I think, people who could who could pop right into your lineup. Um, Robert Tanyan is my first one. I think with the Rodgers rookie situation at wide receiver that Christian Watson drop, um, you was like expressing so much frustration with these wide receivers. That's going to take time for him to earn their trust. And Robert Tanyan is somebody who's been around Rodgers. They know how they work together. I do think there is some value here with Rodgers and their previous like existing relationship. And Tanyan's not bad. I'm not saying he's an amazing tight end, but if you're desperate and looking for somebody to tight end play, I think Tanyan is a viable ad this week and a good stream. Um, Rogers going to be playing the bears. They own Chicago. He's going to be coming out to try and set the tone after a awful week one. And I feel like this offense is going to score some points next week. Big and Bob then, Tanyan, baby. Yeah. He could yep. catch a touchdown. 
Like that's all and you're praying for at this point. So these guys are gonna catch a touchdown. It's a dart throw. Like yeah. some of these tight end stat lines are awful. I mean, OJ Howard, two receptions, two targets, two touchdowns. And it makes them a viable t- like tight end option, but you just have to get lucky. Yeah. And then the next I like one this. is I like this Hayden one. Hurst. I like this Hayden one. Hurst. So with CJ Ozama going to the Jets, you know, Hayden Hurst kind of assumes this tight end one role for Cincinnati. Um, so last week, eight targets, um, five receptions, and 46 yards along uh, to go along with it. And with a touchdown, that makes him a pretty great tight end start. And then you have the Higgins thing. Maybe he doesn't play next week. Um, Hurst could see some extra targets. And Hurst has been in a very crowded tight end room his entire career with yeah. having to share time with Mark Andrews, having to share time with Kyle Pitts. Um, now he has an option to be a true number one tight end for a very good quarterback who knows how to distribute the ball, knows how to progress through his reads, and can find Hayden Hurst when maybe Chase is covered or Higgins isn't the right look on the play. So I do think Hayden Hurst is actually a somewhat decent tight end ad. You know, those are my two for the week. I like it. And, and again, this is assuming that Tyler Higby is drafted in your league. I think Higby would be a good pickup as well. Got a yep. ton of targets. I think I th- a name to watch would be Irv Smith because I feel like some yeah. people are going to drop him. Um, Irv Smith is somebody who probably got drafted in your league, and I think there will be some panic drops on yeah. some tight ends oh, that sure. might have some value. And Irv Smith is definitely somebody I'll be looking at um, for that. Who are you most looking forward to watch this weekend? Are you, you looking at a game you're excited about? Oh. Man, um, I'm excited to watch the wide receivers again. Um, I'm really looking forward to seeing Diggs, Chase, and Jefferson. I want to see if they continue that. And I'm actually excited to see Derrick Henry play. Um, One, as an owner, but two, I thought that was just like a really odd week one for him. Um, And I think last year he had a pretty okay week one as well, too. So I think we'll see some of the running backs come to form. Uh, But I don't have any like exciting matchups that I think I love. but I'm really excited to watch the receivers again. That was so fun to watch. And I'm excited to see JJ and Chase gritty all over the field again. That is yeah. amazing. I'm excited for the first game for the 49ers season, you know, starting off at the <laughs> <Levi> stadium. <laughs> yeah, I'm just ready to see the Niners play in not in a monsoon and see what that looks like. You know, 10-point favorites to a division rival that has owned us my whole life. So what could go wrong? Thank you, Keegan, for joining episode four of the Regression to the Mean podcast. We really appreciate you coming on. We'd love to have you again. Thanks, Sean. I appreciate it. I had a good time. And yeah, I'm definitely down to do this again. You just give me a call. Well, thank you, everybody, for listening. We appreciate it as always. If you haven't, go ahead and subscribe. Leave us a review. And we'll see you soon for episode five.